This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. And hello, everybody, and a good Friday to one and all. Dan Loney here in Philadelphia. Great having you joining us. Tesla has named a replacement for Elon Musk as chairman of the board. Robin Denholm will uh, take over that position for the automotive and energy company. She has been on the board since 2014. Musk was forced to vacate that position in a settlement with the Securities and Exchange Commission following his August tweets about taking the company private. Under the deal, he was allowed to stay on as CEO. Now, Denholm is a longtime CFO of Australian telecom Telstra. She'll be leaving that role in the next six months, but we'll take over as chair of Tesla immediately. With more on this move, we are joined by Timothy Hubbard, who's an associate professor of management at the University of Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business. He is joining us from the studios at Notre Dame's Rex and Alice Martin Media Center. And also with us, Michael Cusimano, who is a distinguished professor of management at the MIT Sloan School of Management. Tim, great to have you on the show today. Michael, thank you as well. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So I guess we'll start out with the question of whether or not this is the right selection, Tim. I think this is a, a very interesting selection, and I think if we look at all of the options that are available, I, I am positive about this selection. I think she is one of the, the more interesting people on the board of directors in terms of being able to work with Elon Musk over the next uh, next few years in order to make sure that the company is, is both profitable and also, honestly, keep him on track and uh, kind of a little bit under control. I don't, I don't <laughs> know a better way to say that. Yes. Michael, your thoughts? Well, we don't really have a disagreement, and I don't think anyone in the world would have been appointed to this position. It would have been nice to have a more seasoned manufacturing expert oversee the company, but certainly the financial problems of the company are rather uh, dire. So having someone that knows uh, Elon, has worked on the board, has worked as a CFO and head of strategic planning for many large uh, uh, companies. Uh, I think it's a good appointment. Well, uh, Michael, and she has also worked for Toyota in Australia for a period of time. That's right. and, and I know there have been some concerns of whether or not she needed to have more uh, insight from an automotive perspective. But as the, as the chairman of the board, does that position really need to have that extensive an understanding of the automaker's side of it? Or is it just the business side in general? Well, chairman of the board normally runs the board and oversees the uh, strategy pl- process and any major decisions or expenditures like acquisitions uh, or investing in another um, gigabattery uh, factory. So sh- the chairman is running the board process, but she will be full-time after six months. So she's got to carve out some sort of niche uh, where she can contribute as a, as a full-time executive and at least nominally uh, uh, Elon Musk's boss. And I think it will be finance, the finance and strategic planning side. That's where she has deep experience. And so, Tim, how do you think that relationship now is going to either evolve, change, however we phrase it, uh, with Elon Musk uh, now with this change and the fact that, that she will be the chairman of the board? 
I think it's going to be a positive change. I think this is an opportunity for Elon to be able to work with the board a little bit more. I think uh, she's going to take on this role full time. And what that means is that the role of the chairperson of the board at, at Tesla might be fundamentally different than we expected at, for example, another public company in the United States. Since she's going to be there full time, I wonder if a good part of this is going to be uh, trying to reduce the information asymmetry between the board of directors and Tesla. If I think back uh, a little while back when uh, Elon Musk had his secret master plan back in 2016, yeah. uh, those types of things, I wonder if, if the board of directors is trying to get away from some of that. And by having her full time involved in the company, they can not only direct the company and try to direct Elon Musk a little bit more, but also have more information that you can't get necessarily if you're running another company at the same time that you're trying to be the, the chairperson of, of Tesla. Michael, what was there potentially in your thought process a, a, an option of going outside of the company to bring in a new chairman of the board? Well, initially, I, I actually thought they probably would go outside and bring in, again, someone um, from the auto industry. Um, the biggest challenge well, I guess there's two big challenges, but certainly the biggest challenge facing Tesla is to actually manufacture at high volume. And uh, normally you would not expect the chairman of the board to be overseeing that kind of activity, but uh, the CEO is uh, deeply involved, but he's not an expert in manufacturing, and he's made some big mistakes, like uh, uh, over-investing in robotics. Um, the other big challenge is the $10 billion in debt, and of course yeah. they can't get over that without making enough cars and selling them. So everything is intertwined, um, but it still is a problem for a Tesla that there is not really deep manufacturing expertise in, in the company at the senior levels. There are some other people. There have been a lot of vice presidents, though, who have quit. Yeah. So, you know, we yeah. have yet to see. Uh, Robin may clash with uh, Elon and be out the door after three months. Uh, we don't know. Tim, your thoughts? Well, I think her, her manufacturing experience at Toyota was heavily on the finance side, and so it's not necessarily that she has deep manufacturing knowledge in the automotive industry. I, I completely agree. Um, I do think, though, that part of the job is going to be managing Elon Musk's personality, and that's something that's that's fundamentally different. And I think trying to, to position her as, as a person that's going to come in and really steer the, the direction on the engineering and on the operations side, I think is a little bit unrealistic. I think we're going to more or see uh, trying to work together with Elon in a way that that allows him to be successful both inside the company and outside the company. But again, as you both have said, uh, Tim, the, the fact that she is going to have to kind of manage Elon Musk to a degree in this process. He obviously has a, 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 a set of ideas as to how he wants to develop the vehicles. But there is also the social media side and the personality side of Elon Musk, which needs to, to be reined in because the SEC has kind of laid down some of the laws that uh, that need to happen, the things that need to happen in this company moving forward, even with Elon Musk as still as the CEO. Exactly. And I mean, if you think about his relationship with the SEC, or as he calls it, the Short Seller Enrichment Commission, uh, he he really has to, to start to control things. It's, it's actually mandated by the SEC now that he has to have uh, his public communications reviewed. And I think that takes effect in, in December. And that's unusual for a company. That's not something that we see 
um, ever, really. And so when we stand back and when we look at it overall, uh, the communication side is, is something that they're definitely, definitely going to have to look at. Yeah, Michael, I saw an interesting piece in uh, the papers today about Robin Denholm, and it talked about some of the characteristics that she probably brings as a, as a chair of the board. And one of the things that was mentioned in this is the fact that work-life balance is, is an important component to her. And that's something I think that with some of the stories we've heard about Elon Musk and the incredible lengths that uh, he has worked uh, consecutive hours uh, with this company and probably with the expectation that he has had Elon Musk with employees at that company. Somebody that understands work life balance probably is a, is a good fit for this uh, for this position right now. Well, perhaps. But I mean, the okay. issue is, can anyone really uh change Elon Musk's personality or really rein him in. Now, he's also CEO of SpaceX, which is actually doing quite well, but he's got a senior team there that he apparently trusts, and they're extremely competent. At uh, Tesla, he's he's gotten his hands into the nitty-gritty of moving, for, uh, moving machinery around on the assembly lines. So I, I think his impulse is to devote himself uh, 110% to this because it's it's verge of being a failing venture. And I think he takes that very personally, very emotionally, and that's why we see some of this erratic behavior. Um, even, I, don't, even, I don't know if anyone can really control his impulses, but there, you know, he was fined, he was uh, fined $20 million by the SEC, yeah. and so that was a pretty big slap in the face. So I think he will definitely adhere to some of the new rules about his communications. So even with the, the, the turnaround last quarter to a degree, and obviously it's just one quarter, Tesla's a company that needs to see extended periods of success of sales in order to kind of eat away at some of that deficit that, that you mentioned before. Yeah, there was some manipulation, it seems, of the accounting uh, in the last quarter. They made a lot of uh, cars, they got them off the lots, and they they booked the sales. Um, but uh, they, they need to continue doing that for a, really a couple of years uh, to get out behind that uh, $10 billion debt. Jim? Yeah, I definitely think that, that consistency here for the next few quarters is going to be very, very important for the company. Over time, they're, they're going to have to transform themselves into a consistent producer of automobiles. And right now, we don't see that. We see quality issues. We see erratic delivery schedules. And over time, that, that just has to resolve itself. And there's one more issue that we don't talk about very much, but every automaker in the world is, has already introduced or is planning to introduce very competitive electric cars over the next five years. I think Volkswagen has announced uh, 30 new models coming out over the next uh, half dozen years or so. Uh, so the competition is going to ramp up very quickly and very intensely. So it's not as if Tesla is the only company in this game. Yeah, but but where do you, in your mind where do they sit right now in the entirety of of all the companies that are kind of in this realm right now, Michael? So right now they're they're like the apple of the the car business. They're in the upper echelon. They're in a potentially very profitable niche. I actually think it was a mistake to try to go after the mass market. Uh, that was part of uh, Elon Musk's dream to ch change the world and change the way we use energy. But that brings him head-to-head uh, -head with every other major mass producer of automobiles in the world. So if he had stayed in the upper end, the, you know, the, the Model S and some of the other models that they've had, uh, 
the hatchback, for example, and the early sports car. Those are great cars, and so they, they developed a super reputation at that high end. The mass market is a different ball game, um, and even though the the Model 3 has gotten very good reviews, they still haven't shown that they can produce it at very high quality, at high volume, consistently. And again, every automaker in the world is going to come after that same market. 844 Wharton is the number for you to join in. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. We're joined uh, by Timothy Hubbard of the University of Notre Dame and also by uh, Michael Cusimano, who is with the uh, MIT Sloan School of Management. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So, Tim, wh- what kind of a, of a situation does Ms. Denholm walk into here right now? Obviously, knowing some of the dynamics already of the company, but it's a little bit different, I, I would imagine, uh, being on the board of directors in comparison to being the chair of the board. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a situation like this before, before ever. I think that, you know, she's coming into that position. I think there's several things that she brings that are very interesting. So she brings a bit of legitimacy to the upper echelons of the organization. Elon Musk's erratic behaviors is something that we've talked about already this this morning. But the legitimacy that she brings is very important. Also, the heterogeneity in, in decision making. So the differences in decision making where she's going to be more involved with Elon Musk and some of the things that Michael was mentioning about strategic choices, it's not going to be up to a board meeting where they come quarterly together. These are going to be ongoing discussions, I think, between her and Elon Musk as they go through. And so there are going to be these unique contributions that she can bring at the same time she's going to to have to break some stereotypes. So some of the gender stereotypes, such as uh, perceptions of warmth or support of others, right. uh, are, are things that she's just going to have to, to deal with uh, because of the type of personality that she's going to be working with and because of the pace uh, that is happening at Tesla right now. I mean, it's a fast-paced environment over there. Michael, your thoughts? Well, again, I agree with Tim bringing some calm... Um, into the upper echelons of decision-making at Tesla is going to be a good thing. Um, I think good for Elon Musk personally and good for the reputation of the company. So I agree. She she brings a lot of strengths. Uh, whether she is, let's say, strong enough to really go head-to-head on with Elon if there is a major disagreement uh, is still another issue. But she, I, I, I'm sure, will react very, very professionally to any kind of conflict like that. The question is, how will Elon Musk react? Uh, he might, he might resign uh, in a an emotional uh, episode or tantrum. Um, she might get fed up with dealing with him after a while. But I think, in general, I would be optimistic that Tesla will find a way out of this. Uh, I still think, and I predicted this several years ago, I, I, I still think they're going to someday run out of cash uh, and uh, have to be sold or, or, or have some other outcome. Because um, I just don't think it's in the company to stay in the mass market. Uh, it's going to require too much capital 
and there's going to be too much competition. So there may be a shift where they go back to a, a niche, more of a niche uh, strategy, and that'll also be a big conflict. Uh, how to how to make that happen? And, and then, how valuable do you think of an entity Tesla is if they do in fact make that type of a move, Michael? Well, I think Tesla has already changed the world. Um, we think about electric cars in a new way now, and I think right. largely we have Elon Musk to thank for that. So he's already made a huge impact, and he's made an impact in other areas as well, uh, the SpaceX venture. Uh, and fortunately, he, he's kept that separate, although they, they have their legs tied in that each company has bought other companies' bonds. So financially, there is some, there is some tie. But, uh, you know, he's, he's accomplished a tremendous amount as an entrepreneur. He's just not a great manager, and most right. great entrepreneurs are not. And uh, he's pulled himself into a, essentially a mass market, uh, nitty-gritty manufacturing business uh, with the Model 3. So I think that strategically was was a mistake, um, but we'll see if he can pull it off. Tim, there's another side to this story uh, which probably isn't talked about a lot to this point, but is the fact that, uh, that uh, Robin Denholm uh, is taking over the chair of, of Tesla. Uh, it's in the state of California. The state of California obviously has, has made recent changes to want to have more females up on part of boards of directors. Now, she was already there, but it's also the fact that she is taking over as chairman of the board. So how important is that component to this story? Not necessarily in the day-to-day nuts and bolts of, of the operation of the company, but overall from the viewpoint of, of where we may be headed for boards of directors in general. I think it's a fantastic move in terms of gender diversity on boards of directors. We've seen research that's shown that female representation on boards of directors is, is positively related to financial performance. Same thing with the TMT. Uh, and so I think this is one of those opportunities, again, for, for an intelligent, capable woman to come into a position where she can do well. Now, she's in a unique position compared to most board members. Uh, but if we look and we want to get, for example, a critical mass of women on board so that they can actually have more influences in decision-making, having a chairperson on the board also enables her to help select new board members going forward and propose propose different people. And so over time, I think that we're going to be able to see more women on boards of directors when we see more successes like I'm, I'm, like I'm hopeful for her in this case. And some of the benefits that we've seen on boards of directors with women specifically are changes towards openness to new perspectives, specifically around gender issues. The overall legitimacy of the board increases. There's heterogeneity to the decision making. And then there's a whole suite of unique contributions that are idiosyncratic to each board and each female director. And so I think this is one of the... there's no situation like this before in terms of the the role that she's coming into and, and the executive that she's going to have to work work with. But overall, I think it's a, a fantastic move in terms of gender diversity on boards. Michael, your thoughts? Well, my first thought is that the challenges facing Tesla uh, Tesla transcend gender. So I uh, I don't think it uh, I don't think it 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 really matters that much in the sense that uh you know they've got to get finances under control they have to get manufacturing under control so if she has the background to do it and she seems to have the background to help uh i think it'll work out it should work out okay but uh if if it turns out that they they still lack some other skills in in running these factories or making or some other big bet decisions that they've made they've sunk uh, billions of dollars into the battery plant and that in the long run may 
out not to be a good decision, may just drain them too much of cash in the future. So, I mean, those kinds of decisions uh, are, would be a challenge for anyone. That doesn't matter who the, what the gender is. But certainly, I agree with Tim, it's great to have more women on boards and in prominent positions. We've actually lost a few women CEOs of, of Fortune 500 companies in the last uh, couple of years. So uh, having another uh, prominent woman or minority is, is always great for, for diversity. But uh, they have to be able to control the organizations and make the right decisions. So she's got to build a team around herself and, and convince Elon Musk to, to make some, I guess, some smarter decisions going forward. And, and you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, Michael, the fact that obviously we've seen a, a variety of executives uh, leave Tesla over the last uh, year, year and a half. Is can, I guess it's a wait and see, but can we start to maybe think that that there will be a little bit more stabilization where the executive positions are with uh, with uh, Tesla, or is that still a wait and see in your mind? It's still a wait and see because uh, the the operations appear to be very chaotic. Now I've not directly visited uh, the auto uh, the, the Tesla factory, but I've talked to people who have, and I've also studied the auto industry on and off for for more than 30 years. Um, so from what I hear, it is very chaotic in the factory, on the factory floor, extremely inefficient, uh, in-process uh, subsystems and fenders and other components just laying around. And so it's, it's no surprise that they have a lot of trouble with quality, have to do a lot of inspection at the end. And uh, most of the, uh, many of the problems that they have uh, came from overestimating what they could automate. So there really are uh, serious operational problems there. And yeah, they got they got uh, 5,000 automobiles out of the uh, out the door every week last month or a few months ago, but uh, keeping up that pace is very difficult because everyone has been working at this extremely high pace of, to, to keep the company solvent. So uh, how do you stabilize that situation? Uh, Elon Musk is not a stabilizing kind of guy. Right. And uh, Robin does seem to be, but uh, again, it requires understanding how to, how to design and move uh, equipment and, and, and material through the assembly lines and manage suppliers. They have huge debts uh, up with suppliers already, bills payable. So. It's it's a mess, and uh, I'm sure she will bring some calm and, and real expertise in trying to manage this. This is why I think when she comes on full-time, she will take charge of the finance and, and the strategic planning from that point of view. And and that was going to be uh, – I want to lead into my next question uh, for both of you, and Mike, I'll start with you, is the fact that this all started because of the tweets that Elon Musk sent out about stock price and wanting to take the public uh, – the company private uh, if it got to $420 a share. What do you think that the stockholders should be thinking at this point, Michael? Well, I'm sure they want stability. Uh, it depends on when you bought the stock. So if you were an early uh, shareholder, you've made a lot of money, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, well, it doesn't. Of course it matters, but um, you've already made money. But people that came in in the last uh, six months or so are losing money. So um, they all want stability. They want growth. Uh, there are Tesla has shown it can make a great product, so they just have to make it in either higher volume or, or eventually go back to a more of a niche strategy where there's high profits. Um, and uh, the stock price doesn't seem to have 
a lot to do with the financial operations or the debt situation of the company at this point. It's still seen as a as a growth crump company with tremendous brand and tremendous potential until until proven otherwise. Tim? So. I think they're going to want to see two things. I think they're going to want to see Elon Musk a little bit tempered in terms of the erratic behavior. But at the same time, I think over the next few quarters, I think they might want to see some actual changes. We talked about turnover in management and, and inconsistencies in manufacturing and things. And I think that those those things might continue for a little while, but the hope might be that she's able to come in, and if it is maybe a management issue, you do a little turnover in management, you make some changes on the factory floor, things like that that can bring stability. And so I think those two coming together over the next few quarters might be something that would be interesting and important for shareholders. Michael, Tim, thank you very much, uh, both of you, for your time today. All the best. Okay. Thank thank you so much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.